Hey, welcome. You're listening to the Leader Like You podcast to inspire and help you get more of what you want more of the time with less hassle, less resistance, and more buy-in in all areas of your life. My name is Robert Kahn, coach, trainer, and consultant, also the creator of the Leader Like You method. I'm sitting down to bring you my thoughts and ideas and the lessons learned along the way and how to make a positive impact wherever you go. Imagine you're at a fork in the road and off to one side is a road you might take. It looks great and it's paved metaphorically with self-assurance, success, and good fortune. And on the other side is a road you also might take. It's paved with self-doubt, imagining one's not good enough, a road of difficulty and pain and suffering. Now the question is, which road would you take? Well, when presented this way, it appears to be a no-brainer. Of course you'd take the first road. And sometimes in life, even if it seems a no-brainer when I present it that way, we actually go down the second road. And sometimes we're not self-convinced of how to appear outwardly to others, nor inwardly to ourselves. And when this happens, when we have this self-doubt, it invariably appears on the outside and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Other people pick up on it. They might pick up on it subliminally, though then their demeanor and face show back to us that they're doubting our doubting of the way we're looking. And when they see the doubt, they show it to us. We see the doubt in them. We become defeatist. Our brain tells us, you see, you weren't good enough. You couldn't do it. You're not up to the task. I've had my company for 20 years now. And a couple years after I started my company, a former colleague and friend, Peter, suggested I read a book because he said it appeared as if I was at that junction between the two lanes. Which road was I going to take? There's a great book by Susan Jeffers, which sometimes suggests that we need to fake it till we can make it. And that fake it till we can make it has helped me hold my head high and helped me move into a more positive demeanor, which is the demeanor of road number one. Something that looks great and is paved with more self-assurance, more success, and good fortune. So fake it till you can make it suggests that by imitating confidence, imitating competence and having an optimistic mindset that we can actually step into these qualities in our real life and achieve the results we seek. I did a bit of research on this phrase, fake it till you can make it, and I found out the phrase first appeared in a song by Simon and Garfunkel called Faking It, which was released back in 1968. First as a single, and then apparently also on their album, Bookends. Simon sings, and I know I'm faking it, I'm not really making it. And that's probably where the words, fake it till you can make it, come. Though it's even older, back in the 1920s, there was a therapeutic psychologist named Alfred Adler, and he developed a technique called acting as if. And this strategy gave his clients an opportunity to practice alternatives to behaviors they didn't like. 
Now his method is still used today, which is often called role play. Let's just pretend that this is the way it's going to be. So on top of fake it till you make it comes act as if. And when we act as if, we step into something called the law of attraction. We start to attract wonderful things to us. Almost as if you almost had the qualities you wanted because you're simply acting as if. And it most likely comes to you. A few years ago, I took a presentation skills class and I wasn't a very good presenter. And the trainer at one point in time took me aside and said, hey, Robbie, in the next exercise, I want you to do a role play. I was like, okay, what's the role play? He said, well, I want you to pretend as if you're the world's best presenter. I want you to pretend as if you were the, the most uh, impactful, awarded presenter who didn't go too fast, didn't go, don't go too slow, who trusted himself and was really at ease in all presentation situations. Now, he said, the good news is you don't have to do it. I just want you to pretend to do it. I said, so you want me to pretend to be a great presenter? Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. And then he said, well, what are you going to do to be a great presenter? And so I played back to him the things I wanted to do to present. I was a great presenter. And he said, okay, that's good. Why don't, why don't we get you up there to do it? I did it. I, I only pretended to be a great presenter, though when I watched the video, it was actually pretty good. And he said, so Robbie, how about we just anchor those things as qualities from now on in you're going to do because obviously you showed us you can do it. So you tricked me in to doing a great job. What I learned is we all have two kinds of beliefs in our brain. We don't have neutral beliefs. We have positive, what I call uplifting beliefs. That's the road A. That's the one paid with success, uh, well-being, uh, self-trust, and just doing it. And then the other road, the second road. These are the negative limiting beliefs. So periodically, if our brain says, oh, you can't do that, you're not good enough, or you're not, check in with your beliefs and switch them over to positive uplifting beliefs that link to acting as if, fake it so you can make it, and the law of attraction. Let's, let's look at a baby for a moment. Just imagine a baby, a you know, brand new newborn baby. <laughs> Babies don't ask, can I cry now? Babies are born confident. Though between a baby and a, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, seven-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, or however old you are, along the way, there are others there that tell us we're not worthy, we're not good enough, we're not smart at something. And no matter how smart we really are, we start to embody this external criticism that then becomes self-criticism and doubt. And it hangs around for many years and pulls us down. And my encouragement is step into these new qualities and pull ourselves up. I'd like to share a story. A few years ago, my son, who was about nine years old, he was beginning to play a lot of competitive tennis and he was doing a lot of tournaments. And a friend of us, Philly, knew that he loved tennis. So she called me one day and she said, I am one of the main sponsors of the French Open, Roland Garros, 
in Paris. And she said, did you know that? And I said, oh, yeah, I think you mentioned that. She goes, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, well, today's Tuesday, tomorrow's Wednesday. I've got this. The kids have some activities in the afternoon. Why are you asking? She said, no, 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 no. That's not what you're doing tomorrow. What you're doing tomorrow is you're going to drop everything and fly to Paris because I have two front row seats for you at center court at the French Open, Roland Garros, and I'd like you to come with your son. So I checked with my wife. Are you going to go? Am I going to go? So it turned out that I was going to go. Okay, so I went and bought the only ticket I could find, Geneva to Paris. And it ended up being two business class seats to Paris and two economy seats back from Paris. It was a great day. We saw Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, Federer, center court, right behind the TV cameras. Absolutely wonderful. Though, in the morning, leaving Geneva... I took my son to the business class lounge. Because we had a business class ticket, we were allowed in. He was amazed. He said, so I can have as many snacks as I want? Well, I said, you know, let's not get sick. Though we had croissant, pain au chocolat, uh, some chips, cola, all sorts of other things, stocked up on some sweets. And he said, this is amazing. And I said, yeah, it, it's, it's fun and it's nice. So we went to the Roland Garros French Open. We had our day watching all those great people, and then it was time to come home. And we got to the airport, my son said, hey, Daddy, do we get to go back into the business class lounge? And I said, well, Adrian, the problem is, on my gold card, and I'm fortunate to have a gold card because I travel a lot, I can only take one person in the lounge, and that's myself. I did receive a mail from our friends saying next month they're going to change where every gold card passenger can bring in one guest. So I said, I don't know. I don't think we can go to nine. He goes, ah, oh, it's really too bad. So he looked a bit downtrodden, a bit sad, and a bit upset. So I thought to myself, Adrian, would you like to do an experiment? He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, they're changing next month. So why don't let's, let's just see if we can get in the lounge and practice a skill called act as if. He said, I don't know what you mean, act as if. I said, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to walk into that lounge as if we'd already been in the lounge. And you'll notice the people around us won't stop us and question us because we already embody the fact that we belong in that lounge and there's no reason to stop us. So when you go in, there's some steps. You're going to walk down and you're facing a counter of people whose job it is to scan your ticket and your card as you come in the lounge. And people who need to be in the lounge make eye contact with them. So what I want to do is, what you and I are going to do is we'll walk in the center in front of them and walk towards some windows off to our left. And I reminded them which was our left and which was our right. And we're not going to walk too fast and we're not going to walk too slow. We rehearsed it a couple times. I showed them, yeah, great. And, and walk in and look at the windows. He said, this is pretty fun. Do you think it'll work? I'm really scared. And I said, yeah, I think it's going to work. you got to practice act as if. So we did. We walked in. We held our head high as if we had already been there and went over and sat down, had a couple drinks. We didn't have a lot of time before our flight, so it wasn't like we ate them out of house or home. We picked up a magazine, and I think he had a sports magazine there. And when he said, this was an amazing experience because I didn't know you could act as if. They said, yeah, you can. And with that, I hope that I can help you start to act as if. 
Fake it till you can make it. Don't hold back. And, and encourage yourself to be capable to understand that you can do what you need to do. There are times when sometimes I feel nervous. And I ask myself, what's the reason I feel nervous about something? Well, I'm going to work in front of a big group as master of ceremony. Though what is a big group? Is it 500, 5,000, 500,000 people? You know, what is a big group? So I start to ask myself, well, ask yourself, how are you going to act as if? And fake it so you can make it, which I do. And then it always turns out pretty good. And I'm happy with it. Now, the thing about fake it so you can make it is you don't want to look like you're going to take yourself down a dangerous path of death and destruction or lead a group into a bad decision. So you do have to have good judgment. Though you can help your brain move from negative limiting belief to positive uplifting belief and be on the road that's paved with self-assurance, self-success, and good fortune. So thanks for listening. And I encourage you to share your questions, comments, and discoveries, how acting as if, faking it till you can make it, and enjoying the law of attraction helps you. Stay well. Stay leader-like. Successful by design, not by chance. the end of another episode of the Leader Like You podcast. Connect with us at leaderlikeyou.com. And don't forget to sign up to our mailing list to receive the newsletter and our free materials. See you at the next episode.